You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. So this is from 1 Thessalonians 2. Um, there's quite, do you want me to say all the different verses? Two. It's a selection from 1 Thessalonians 2 and 3. Okay. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? It is not you. Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, And it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? That is the word of God. Thank you. So... We have been uh, talking the last couple weeks since Easter about this topic of discipleship. Uh, How many of you here were were you, how many of you, there we go, were here on Easter? Okay. So so we we opened up this this, uh, passage, well-known passage, Jesus saying that he is, you know, the one with all authority in heaven and on earth. And he says, go therefore and make disciples, teach people to be like me, right? He's saying like he is the ultimate authority in the field of human flourishing is what we said that Sunday. And if you want to flourish, you follow Jesus and his way. And so what, we're be, what we've been doing since then, and we're going to do for some weeks ahead, is we're looking at how Jesus made disciples and what he discipled people in. So the how and what of discipleship, that's what we're looking at. And we, we talked last week about how what we see in Jesus' model of discipleship is that he invited people to simply be with him. He didn't say, hey, just come to my class, read this book, right? He said, come and be with me. I'm going to share my life with you, and we're going to do life on life. Anybody remember that? Good, good, glad to hear it. Um, and so, really, guys, we're doing this because we're talking about it so much because I'm hoping, like, the penny will drop for us in a whole new way. The simplicity of this call to teach people to look and act like Jesus. That's what we're called to as the church. 
And we don't follow Jesus just out of obedience because I said so sort of thing, right? When Jesus gives a command, I said this last week, I'll say it again. When Jesus gives a command, it is for the good of the world as a whole. It's for the good of others. And it's because it's good for you. Everything he calls us to is good for us. He doesn't call us to anything just to flex his authority over us. He calls us to it because it's good for us. Imagine like you're telling your kids, you need to brush your teeth. No, I don't want to. I don't want to brush my teeth. It's like, no, you're resisting the very thing that's good for you that you need, right? So that's just a little bit of review of what we've been looking at. And last week, we talked about how this life-on-life type of discipleship is good for the world. The world needs it. We talked about how it's good for others. We heard from Kimmy. You guys remember hearing from Kimmy last week? How many heard from Kimmy? Kimmy Kimmy's just like so good to hear from Kimmy who was visiting from Edmonton um, about just the way that some of the lives of people who are part of this community impacted her life. So we heard about how life on life is good for others. Today I want to go into focusing a lot more on how Life on life discipleship, like Jesus did, that he calls you to, is good for you. In other words, saying yes to sharing your life with people in order to lead them to Jesus, teach them about Jesus, is good for you. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. And Telsey read this passage to us. What we got here, the reason I wanted her to read the scripture that we just read, is that that gives us a window into how Paul felt about life-on-life discipleship with these people in Thessalonica, right? And and what I want us to see as we look at it is life-on-life discipleship grows you, grounds you, and gratifies you. I had, to, I had to get another G word. It grows you, it grounds you, and it gratifies you. Okay? You remember last week, I, I mentioned this. I made mention, I want to kind of talk a little bit more about it now, is that when you become a parent, yes, your child grows up, but that child also grows you up. Can I get an amen from the parents? Being a parent grows you up. And so if you ever feel like stunted in your growth as a person, as a follower of Jesus, my encouragement to you, my response to that feeling stunted in growth that I would provide is take responsibility for someone. When you take responsibility for someone else, it naturally grows you up. I would also just want to add here, we're never going to become like Jesus by ignoring what he told us to do. In other words, what I mean is if you want to be in the process of becoming more like Jesus, you kind of got to look at, oh, he said make disciples. I better go find some people that I can mentor, that I can pour into, right? You're not going to become like Jesus by not doing what he said to do. It's, it's really simple. <laughs> really, really simple. But at the same time, man, it's, it's a high call, right? But the path to maturity 
is responsibility. And I want to I highlight Paul's words that he opened up with that Telsey read to us. He compares himself as, as a disciple maker to being like a nursing mother. Did you guys catch that at the beginning? Right? He says, he says I'm going to read it just that first little bit again. Where is it? Where is it? Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. We weren't, we weren't content to just come in and tell you ideas about the gospel. We actually shared our very lives with you. And he compares it to being like a nursing mother. What does a nursing mother do? Sorry, what's that? Nurses, feeds her baby, breastfeeds the baby, right? Sleepless nights, all sorts of stuff, yep. Lays down her life. You guys know next week's Mother's Day, right? This, I, didn't, I didn't plan this. It wasn't a setup for the next week, but it's just good, good timing. But, but listen, the, the, the nursing mother lives attached to the baby, Anybody, anybody seen a few babies attached to other human beings' bodies in the room today? I, I, I've seen at least four, okay? There's these, there's these little humans attached to these other humans, and they, like, literally attached. And, 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 and listen to this. This is the key part. Your food becomes their food. So what you're eating is naturally supposed to nourish others. That's the discipleship process. Receive and overflow. Receive and give away. If, if you don't do the give away part, something is breaking down in the process. The, the, the path of following Jesus and growing up into maturity means that what you're eating is becoming food for other people. If what you're eating isn't becoming food for other people, there's a breakdown in the maturing, developing process. And there's this closeness required to breastfeed a baby, right? And so there's this this picture that Paul's giving us about discipleship that is like very close, very intimate, and very much about what I take in needs to be given to others. And this is good for you. I know if we stick with the metaphor, there's all sorts of health benefits to breastfeeding. If you, if you listen to biologists, scientists, right, there's all sorts of benefits to a woman's body through the process of breastfeeding. You feeding others is good for you. And the best way to actually grow is to give away what you've received. Do you know, um, Starla, can we get that slide? If it did get in there, I'm going to peek to see if it did. There it is, okay? This is what they say is actually the best way to learn. Look at that. What I'm doing right now is the least effective on the the, the top. Me just talking to you. 5% of how you learn. 
10% by reading, 20% with audiovisual, 30% through seeing a demonstration of it, 50% through discussion, 75% through practicing and doing, but 90% retention through teaching others. Isn't that amazing that the practicing and doing part of it is not even as much as, as what happens to you when you teach others? There, there, there's this reality that when you begin to teach others, you retain more. Well, if you want to become more like Jesus, the best way to do it is teach others to be like Jesus. Because you have to get familiar with your content, with your subject matter. And Jesus knows this. This is why Jesus' parting words that he considered most important thing to tell his followers before he leaves is go teach others to follow me. He didn't just say, don't forget what I told you. Write it down. He says, go teach others to do what I've taught you. That is the, that is the path to growth. So life on life, discipleship is good for you because it helps you become more like Jesus. And in case you're wondering, becoming more like Jesus is a good thing for you. Can I get an amen on that? Right? Come on. Becoming like Jesus is a good thing for you. We keep it simple around here. Okay? Life on life discipleship. It grounds you. Right? What do I mean by it grounds you? It causes you to be more grounded. Not like in trouble with your parents grounded, right? But Paul says it, right? We shared with you not just the gospel, but our lives. And, and, and there is this reality that when you're doing life on life, discipleship with people, it reveals to you where you're really at in your walk with God, in your journey, in your maturity. Because, guys, here's the deal. It's really easy. This is, this is a strange paradox, but hear me out. It's really easy to hide on the stage in the spotlight. Are you with me? It's really easy. I can stand up here. Let's just take me as an example here. I can stand up here week after week and talk to you about Jesus, give you the gospel, but never share my life with anyone. And you can all think, wow, Caleb's great. He loves Jesus. He really, he's passionate about Jesus. Do you hear how loud he gets when he talks about Jesus? You know, like, and, and you get this, this sort of like image of the person on the stage and in the spotlight that, that can be completely out of line with the reality of their lives. Life and life discipleship doesn't let you get away with that. And I would say to you even this, it's easy to hide in the big church. It's easy to hide up on the stage in the spotlight. It's easy to hide just listening. Life on life is where you really find out who you are, where you're at, what's going on in your life. You're, you're really confronted with that. And in, in that, I want to actually read something to you. This challenged me. This is actually a book about preaching. That's the title of the book, Preaching, by Tim Keller. And, uh, and in this book, 
he made this statement that has stuck with me. I'm going to share it with you because it applies to all of us. Whether you're ever going to be a preacher or not, this applies to all of us as Jesus followers. All right. It's a little long, so please, I'll, I'll do my best to read in a captivating way, but please focus. There is such enormous pressure in the Christian ministry toward hypocrisy. Church or ministry leadership means telling people every day, God is so wonderful. This is not the sort of thing you have to do in most other walks of life. But in the ministry, you are daily pointing people in one way or another to God to show his worth and beauty. Often your heart will not be in a condition to say such a thing with full commitment and integrity. You then have two choices. Either you have to watch your heart far more closely, warming it up continually so you can preach to people what you are practicing. Or you have to learn to put on a ministerial air and become something on the outside that you are not on the inside. The statesman Abraham Kuyper somewhere said that Phariseeism, spiritual hypocrisy, is like a shadow, deepest and sharpest, closest to the light. I continually observe that ministry amplifies people's spiritual character. It makes them far better or far worse Christians than they would have been otherwise. But it will not leave anyone where he was. Were you able to stay with me the whole way through that? It's this idea, guys, that like, like if you're going to give your life and, and, and use it to tell people, follow Jesus, Jesus is wonderful, Jesus is awesome. Which, you know, being a preacher, that's kind of what you do. But I would say to you guys, this applies to all of us because all of us as followers of Jesus are called to this process of teaching others to follow Jesus. And if we're going to do it, if we're actually going to set ourselves into this life-on-life -life thing, it has to be real. You guys know what I'm talking about? You know, we come into here and we can be like, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, brother. Isn't he wonderful? I'm too blessed to be stressed. God is good. You know, and we do our whole thing. We have all our cliches. And inside, we're like, I hate my wife. You know, or whatever it might be. Or, or, like, or we're just like, can't wait to like, you know, get more money. There's greed in us. Or we're, we're, we're watching pornography. Or we're doing whatever it is we're doing. These are real things that happen in our lives and in our hearts. But on the outside, we're like, bless God. Oh, it's a good day. You know, like, I know we don't do all those cliche things around here, but you know what I'm talking about, right? We do some of them, guys. We do do some of them. And, and, and the reality is, it's so easy. So easy. From the stage, or in a seat, or for two hours on Sunday, to put on the face. Life on Life Discipleship doesn't let you get away with that. It keeps you grounded. I remember, you know, when we started out as parents, Telsey and I, we wanted to read the parenting books. We watched the DVDs. We were like, we don't want to screw this up. Anybody relate? Anybody relate? And, um, and I remember a few years in, younger than us parents starting to ask us, like, how do you do it? Like, how do we do this? And I remember just this thing dropping in me. So this is my parenting 101 right here. 
be the person you want them to become. You can read all the books. You can watch all the DVDs. I can go to the conferences. But no matter how many books I read or conferences I attend or whatever, I'm going to reproduce myself. And I remember just being hit with that. It's like, be the person I want them to become. The same would go for any discipleship relationship. You can hand the book. You can say the right words. You do all stuff. But you're going to reproduce what God's producing in you. The food you eat becomes the food for others that you're doing life with. And I don't know if any parents in the room relate to this, but there are times I'm watching my children and I go, oh, there's me. Good and bad. Don't worry, lots of good stuff. And you kids, I love my kids. You guys are killing it, becoming amazing humans. There's times I see things in them that I'm like, oh, I know where that came from. And, and at times, it's stuff I've seen in myself that I didn't like very much. I'm like, shoot, I passed that on? Dang it. <laughs> you know? and, uh, but Jesus is with you, okay? Jesus will lead you way better than me. But the point is, guys, it just naturally is the result of doing life together. We reproduce what's actually real in us, in those around us. And that is a good thing. We're talking today about why it's good for you, right? So it grows you and it grounds you, okay? Lastly, it gratifies you. Now, I just want to pause first and celebrate what an awesome word that is. Okay, like, think about it. It's a combination of gratitude and satisfies. That's an epic word. Nobody, nobody else thinks so? Man, I'm like nerding out on this word as I wrote it down. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. It's like gratitude and satisfied together. Awesome. Now they're going to love it when I tell them about it. And I was like, blank stare. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thanks, Al. Thanks. It was way over your head and you're like, wow, that's deep. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like, it's this, this idea, that this gratitude and satisfaction together. And I don't know if you caught it as Telsey read these words of Paul to this church, but he's like a gushing parent. Listen to these words. Like, like he says this. You're our glory and our joy. That's like for modern translations, our pride and joy. You're my pride and joy, he's writing to these people in this church. Or he says, we were so encouraged when we heard the good news about your faith, you realize he's using the same word that's translated elsewhere, the gospel. He's comparing the news that they believe in Jesus and they're still following him, coming to him the same way it hit his heart when he heard the gospel. Good news to hear that they're doing well. And he makes this comment, he's talking about all the suffering that they're going through and he's worried about whether they're doing well. And then Timothy comes back with this report, and he says, "Then we're really living. Did you catch that? It was in, in chapter 3. I'm going to look it up. I want to read how he says it. 
Yeah, simple. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. There's this life, this like, this whole another fullness to life that he's feeling because he sees that they are walking strong in the faith that he wanted to share with them. And he ends on, how can I thank God enough? What we read ends with this question, I don't even know how to thank God enough for the amount of joy that I feel in his presence when I look at what he's doing in your lives. Does that not sound like a gushing, overjoyed parent? That's how Paul feels. That's how I felt when I listened to Kimmy last week. When Kimmy was up here sharing last week, I'm just sitting there like, ah, like just beaming inside because I look at this person who I, I remember meeting her eight years ago and her coming and being a part of our community, and now I see where she's at and what God's doing in her life, and it brings me so much joy. I get so much joy when I watch in this community. You guys love each other well. I know of when people are in need and needing practical help, different ones who have come along and and gotten involved in someone's situation or their life or someone's going through a struggle in their marriage and another couple comes in and sits with them and connects and on and on the stories go. It brings joy to see it. And when you embrace this, this thing of, life-on-life discipleship, and you start to see the image of Jesus formed in the people that you're pouring into, it is exciting. It is joyous. It is a great reward. Paul talks about this. He's like, what is going to be my reward in heaven? You. You're my glory. You're my joy. Does anybody want some of that in your life? Being able to look at people, when you see God's work in their life, it just causes your heart to swell with joy and gratitude that you are going before God. God, I don't even know how to thank you for this. This is amazing. And you realize that's all part of the growing that happens in us as we become more like Jesus. What do I mean by that? When we're kids, what do we say lots? Look at me. Hey, look at me. Look, I can ride my bike. Look, I can do this. Look at me. That's childish. And it's okay. But at some point, he wants to grow us up. Or we say, look at you. 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 Maturity is getting to this place where it's like, look at you. Look at what God's doing in your life. Oh, my gosh. And your joy and your satisfaction is more rooted in the growth and the success of others than of ourselves. You realize, like, this was the mindset of rabbis in Jesus' day. I was listening to to this Jewish teacher just recently, and he was talking about this, and he was saying, like, for a rabbi, success was not when their disciples began to look like them. Success was when their disciples started to outdo them 
Remember what Jesus says in John 14, 12? Those you who believe in me will do the works that I do and what? Greater things. There's Jesus. Jesus being like, you're going to do greater things. What? Jesus is like, I, I'm not done with you till you're doing greater things than I did. Oh, man. I start to kind of crumble under that. I'm like, Jesus, I don't, I don't know. Like, you walked on water, you multiplied food, you raised the dead. did some stuff that's kind of mind-blowing. Like, what? And I think, like, it's important for us to catch that. Maybe touch back on that in a minute. But I just remember, like, years ago, teacher of ours, Bill Johnson, would say this. And he probably didn't come up with it, but he's the first person I remember ever hearing say it, so I'm crediting it to him. And, and he would say to us, I want my ceiling to be your floor. That, that, that's, that's my goal. I want my ceiling to be your floor. See, because when we embrace this type of life-on-life life thing where we, where we are gratified in seeing God's work in people's lives, you know what it does? It causes us to be a culture here in this community that celebrates the success of others. Instead of being a place where we're just competing, where we're competing to look better, where we're competing to have the, 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 the better image, the better whatever, right? It destroys that competition that's toxic to a community. And it, it, it replaces it with a celebrating of one another. Anybody want to be a part of some of that? You know, the consummation of our joy in following Jesus is seeing him start to emerge in the lives of others. Seeing him reproduce. So what does this look like in our lives? Really simple. In its, in its inception, it starts with hang out with other people. Make time. Really simple. It's just low bar here. Really simple. Make, maybe it's not a low bar. Maybe, maybe you're way too busy and that's like a high bar. I got no time for anybody else. Make time for others. Eat with people. How many people here eat? You think you could give one meal in your week to eating with someone else? I mean, I think when I'm thinking about this, I think about youth leaders I know. Can I get a, get a show of hands? Anybody who is a youth leader in this space or you've been one before? Come on, I got some youth pastors here. I got these guys. I got two with a half hand up there in the back. Like lots of different people. I got Fabio waving it proud over here. The, uh, or humbly, sorry, Fabio, I don't want to assume. Okay. Uh, I just think the simplicity of it that I've heard from so many youth leaders over the years is like, uh, yeah, I go for meals and I go for walks. I go eat meals and I go for walks with people. That's, that's where it starts, you know, or play sports or whatever else kind of stuff. And, um, and it's just creating space in your life we keep it simple as well, those we're pouring into can look at it and see, hey, I could do that. You overcomplicate it, it's not so much, not so reproducible. 
You know, I think to just a week and a half ago, we had a handful of the young adults in Life Tree at our house on a Wednesday night. We had a potluck. We said, hey, everybody, bring something to eat. We had a potluck. It was a great potluck. Thumbs up to anybody who brought food that night. Um, and, and we ate together. And then we were talking, hanging out. And then there was this, like, slightly little awkward moment in the middle where I was like, okay, hey, guys, now we're going to read the Bible. And, uh, and, and we did, though. And we opened up the Bible, and then we, we just started to talk. We read from Matthew 13 about Jesus' parable of the sower with the seeds, right? And then we said, okay, what stuck out to you? And we had conversations in groups of, like, four or so about it. And then we shared with a larger group. And, and, and I don't know, like, I was encouraged. And I talked to others who were really encouraged that night. And what I'm, you might be listening to that and going, that's like, that's really simple. That's the point. Eat food and push Jesus into the center of the room. We, we, we make much of Jesus. Around here, we're about making disciples of Jesus. It's not about being a disciple of Caleb or of Telsey or of Daniel or of Hannah or of anybody else. It's about us showing people Jesus and what it's looked like to follow Jesus in our life. But we make much of Jesus. We push him to the center of the table. We push Jesus to the center of the conversation. We put all about Jesus on T-shirts. You know, like, like you go look at those T-shirts, it says all about Jesus down the corner of it. Because that's what we're about here. we got nothing better on offer. We're not like, oh, yeah, Jesus is cool, but check this out over here. You know, it's like there's nothing better. Jesus. And I think that's important to say here, too, because when we talk about this idea of, hey, guys, do life together. Make disciples. Don't worry. It's easy. You know, it's like there's a side of it that it's like, yeah, no, maybe it's not. Uh, like, nursing mother was the metaphor you opened up with, you know, sleepless nights was one of the things people identified with nursing mothers. You read through Paul's letter, and he's like, oh, yeah, we told you we were going to be persecuted. It just comes with the territory. It's like there, there's hard work involved. There's a price to be paid when you're going to share your life with people. Jesus, we looked at a minute ago, is saying, you're going to do greater things than me, and I'm telling you, that, that's kind of overwhelming, Jesus. I'm wanting to acknowledge, yeah, you know what? It, it can be hard. There's a price to pay for intentionality and inconvenience. So what actually gets us there? Jesus. Look to Jesus. This guy, Paul, whose words we read at the beginning, who talks about all the suffering and the high price being paid, in many ways, though, as you read it, what's the highlight of what he's talking about? The high price paid or the joy he has in the people? It's joy. The joy. Hebrews 12 says that Jesus endured the cross. The cross was pretty inconvenient, just for the record. But he endured it for the joy set before him. And until we actually see Jesus being inconvenienced for us, the grace isn't there. All we've got is, is, is works. Try harder, guys. 
We have to see Jesus. We have to see Jesus intentionally pursuing you, inconveniencing himself for you, making space for you. When you deserved it? No. When you were showing all kinds of good fruit in your life? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the message. That's the gospel. When we were little babies who had nothing to offer but maybe putting a smile on our face, not usually at 3 a.m., but at times, we eat and we eat and we eat so we have something to give, right? But he did. He was fed. Is Trank with me? I got a little lost in that, that picture there. So in summary, life on life, discipleship that will have to go beyond what we do here Sunday mornings grows you, it will ground you, and it will gratify you. And the, and the grace to step into it is not by just, here's the principle, here's the thing, now try harder next time. Look to Jesus. Like as the more you put Jesus in the center of the conversation, push him to the center of the room at the meal or the whatever, the more like him we naturally want to be because he's amazing. You guys with me? Amen. Let's pray, and I'm going to let you go. Father, we thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for that image of a nursing mother that you gave in the scriptures. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to make it real to us. We ask you to help us see how we have been babies. And in our vulnerability and in our very little to offer, you've poured into us. And others in your church have poured into us. And I ask, Lord, for a grace to, to, to stir and to activate in us the desire to do the same. That we would be a people who, who are saying yes, yes to sharing our lives with others that we could become more like you, that they could become more like you, and that the world would be saturated with image bearers who look like Jesus. And we would make much of you right here in the city of Victoria, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.